What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live here at Petite Creek Cellars in Woodenville. I'm your host, L.B. Duchess, with co-host Michael Kotzman, our food and wine ambassador. Our guest host, Jason of Seattle Wine Exchange, the tasting room manager, Brooke, and of course, our socially savvy guest. Hello, everybody. Everybody's trying to get situated. It's been a Monday. <laughs> it's been a Monday in a big way, hasn't it, people? Yeah, that would be the tempo. Everybody's giving me this look. We have not had enough wine to drink yet. Well, we are in Seattle, obviously, on the east side in Woodinville, and the weather is very typically Seattle. We have some rain, we have some clouds, which to me is a perfect invitation to grab a great bottle of wine and cuddle up on your couch. I don't know how you guys feel, but that's the plus. I guess there's got to be an a, a upside to everything, right? <laughs> okay, so feel free to call in for today's show, 323-843-6090. We... Um, Today's show is brought to you by Petite Creek Cellars, the new tasting room in Woodinville. Um, and it looks like they are pouring the wine right now. Michael, you want to yeah. introduce us to this so, fabulous uh, wine? It looks like uh, we got a Chardonnay. Is that the bottle right there? Yes. Perfect. The 2008 Chardonnay. Uh, tell us a little about the Chardonnay. Where, where is it, uh, where, where's the, the vineyard at? Uh, all you guys there. Okay, so the vineyard is actually Santa Vineyards out of Red Mountain. Yeah, really beautiful Chardonnay grapes. The, um, the vines are actually about 32 years old. And so technically by Washington standards, it's considered a old vine Chardonnay. Even though 32 years is not that old in Washington world, it is. Um, so a unique thing that we did with this wine, my, my winemaker was never really a big white wine fan, and so he really set out to make a white wine that he would love, and he did that by doing, when he got the grapes, he crushed them, put them into neutral oak barrels, and threw them into a room that was incredibly cold, and really drew out the fermentation process, the primary fermentation process, and by doing that, he intensified the flavor into the wine of the actual grape, rather than intensifying the flavor of the oak. So when you taste it, you're not feeling like you're licking the inside of an oak oak barrel. barrel. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes that. I remember when I came to your open and Mm -hmm. I drank the Chardonnay. We've talked about this, I don't know, like maybe a half a dozen times now, how Washington wines have not been your typical quote-unquote Chardonnay producers. And when I drank this, it's like I I taste all these citruses, which really take me by surprise. Oh, totally. And it's, that's simply because he really tried to just intensify that flavor of the actual grape rather than everything else around, you know, in, in the environment of it. And what the oak actually did was it added to the body so you don't get this really weak kind of lighter style Chardonnay like you would with a 
one that's simply done in stainless steel. By adding in the oak, you get a little bit of body to it, which is really nice and really elegant. I it is. It's very. And what's the year? It's an 08. Okay, I was gonna say it tastes. It it has the body of an older wine. Mm -hmm. oh, I really yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> Michael, uh, Michael's looking at it. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah, no, it's uh, you definitely get the oak on the nose. So I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you get the, I get butter, I get caramel, I get, you know, some of the nice yum yums I do like from oak, uh, where it's really actually, it rounds off the acid, mm -hmm. uh, but it's got a really nice nose, it's, it's got, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at the wine, and um, uh, you're looking at it against the back, white background, and it's, it's, it's definitely a straw yellow color, uh, it's got a nice color, nice nose, I'm, it's right now. It's delicious. Yeah, we know how it can be about white wines. <laughs> I have to say, Washington Wines actually took me and romanced me into white wines because before that, I did, had no desire to drink white wines at all. That's no. right. That's really nice. Uh, actually, it's really interesting because you typically get, you know, your stone fruits that come out of California with these kind of uh, flavor profiles. So, like, you get, uh, not only do I get, like, oh, now I get, like, pear at the end, like, apple, a little bit of pear. But uh, it actually comes off a little bit with uh, pineapple. I was gonna say I get a little. That, so. The first thing that hit me was the citrus. What, uh, yeah, that pineapple is tropical. It's, it's got good length too, so it's got like a. Now yeah. I'm getting a little minerality, some uh, some citrus, lemon. Um, that's fine. Thank like that. you. Thank you. And we, we love that on to Joe's. I love it. <laughs> we love that you're one of the newest additions to Woodenville. Yeah. And you, so so being the newbie on the block. <laughs> What, um, how long have you guys been producing wines outside of having a tasting here in Woodville? We've been producing since 1998, um, and we started simply in we started in Dayton, Washington, which is this really small, don't blink, you're gonna miss it kind of town between Pullman and Walla Walla, uh -huh. and the. Um, you know, it's it's very unique because it actually has a five star restaurant in the middle of it. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Are, I, I know. <laughs> I want to say it's like there's a five star, probably even a four star. I mean, it's just random and wow. You know, it looks like Mayberry. It's the, absolutely the cutest little town you've ever been to. Yeah, and I we started in a gas station down there with oh, the wow. original owners, and in 2000. Seven, I want to say, our current owner took over and moved the production up to Walla Walla. And that's when we hired on Joe Forrest, who's our winemaker, and started expanding what we were doing because up until 2006, all we did was a Washington, um, specifically Walla Walla Valley um, cabin Merlot. And wow. that was it. I say, because you have a temper, you have one of the best tempers. <laughs> I'm sorry, and wouldn't about. And you're sold out, which just drives me right up a wall. <laughs> it might be coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to throw that out there as a teaser. It could possibly be coming out sooner than expected. You're, 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 you're used back, right? You're used. Oh, you are such a tease. I know. I know. <laughs> Are you going to be in the, uh, no, you're going to be over at the, uh, there's a big Tempranillo uh, tasting coming up here. It looked at uh, uh, a couple weeks ago in the wine world, but there's a big one coming up here this month, mid-month, I will look again. I'm not, it won't be out by then. Uh, We're actually out. looking at maybe late November. I'm trying to talk our owner and winemaker into allowing it to go into the current, into the October wine club shipment. And I think I've got them convinced. So really, if you're wanting it, you have to join the wine club. I'm like say, okay, put me on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I love your company. 
Actually, yeah. you know what? This is funny because all except for one wine club membership we've ever joined has been because of a temper new. Oh, really? Yep. Really. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Maybe it's a Latino on your blood. I think it's a Latino. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, everyone's <laughs> Okay, so we're going to bounce right into um, what it is to be socially savvy, brought to you by Sweet Talk Wipes. Like our hands, our cell phones need to be regularly cleaned and detoxified. Order yours today at www.sweettalkwipes.com. We're beginning the socially savvy, glass savvy part of our show. We're going to be talking about the different wine glasses. Um, And most people, they show up to a restaurant and they drink wine out of whatever glass they give you. But those who are wine connoisseurs recognize that there are different shaped wine glasses. Um, some of them, if I understand right, actually use different densities of glass for um, the different types of wines because just how it does this thing with wine. And so we have Jason in from Sale Wine Exchange to go mm-hmm. over these. You're only going over five wine glasses, which I'm assuming is going to take us through quite enough right there. <laughs> yeah, really. Wine can be drunk in any glass you want, but when you start releasing the aroma, the uh, esters of the wine, that's where different shapes of glasses, you know, kick in. Kick in, right. It's a sensory when you drink wine because you have your friends with you normally. And <clears throat> I'll start off with you know, the five basic ones. Apart from the normal restaurant style where you get there and it looks like a wine glass. And that's it. <laughs> it looks like a wine glass. <laughs> if it has wine in it, to me it looks like a wine glass. <laughs> or, you know, so I brought five different kinds. And I'll start off with like a tasting glass, which is usually you go to a wine tasting and you get like a two-ounce pour, which is just a little bit. And uh-huh. then the smaller glass, it looks like you're having more. What we're looking at now is approximately a wine glass that's about five inches tall. It's about two inches wide. It's a basic standard. You'll see this at a lot of, like, you know, uh, friends' house. They're like, here, this is it. I have, I have 36 of those for yeah. parties. <laughs> you know, and then the next one that that's kind of one you just kind of see in general in wine tasting. Because if you put two ounces pour into a larger glass, it looks like you get nothing. So the, the the purpose behind this particular glass is to make a, a good visual presentation, and the the top of the glass is open enough that it can aerate yes. properly. Yeah, uh, oxidize. Oxidize, yeah. oxidize. Thank you. Uh, I'll move into the champagne one, which is the traditional flute. Which is my favorite. Flute one. And <laughs> the idea is to keep the, the, to consume the champagne, allow the bubbles to rise up. It's an appearance. It's, you know, part of the mystique of drinking the champagne. Plus, you're you're not really going to swell the champagne, you know, swirl it around. Right. You're just going to taste it and toast. And the shape of the glass actually allows the, the enjoyment of the champagne all the way down to the body. And you can see the bubbles rise to the top, and it's kind of it's kind of neat to hang on to and let them surprise your friends. Now I've heard that there's a couple of um, champagne glass makers who they created the, they do something with the glass that there is a bead of of the the little bubbles that comes right up from the middle. Is that right? Uh, right out. Read out. Read like needle. They uh, <laughs> they do that. They have they're one of the big proponents of different size glasses, different makes of glasses, different density. Around the world, they they have large seminars that talk about that. You know, as far as like, um, you're drinking a Pinot Noir, you're drinking a Cabernet, you're drinking uh, a Toronto. They have different socks and shades. So, how many different types of wine glasses are out there? Do I even want to ask that question? Different kinds. There's there's according to Rito, they're probably um, they sell 145 different styles. Wow. And this is before you get into their big brands and their their. Uh, Lead lined or crystal. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, of course, there's other winemakers, or I'm sorry, wine glass makers, they 
do a special process in the inside that when you swirl it, it actually oxidizes the wine. Or, you know, oh, really? the way that the molecules or the bumps, the small bumps and ridges in there. That's beyond this wine geek talk, but there are those that really believe that that can change the outcome. So kind of like some of the aerators that yeah. we put, purchase to put on the top of a bottle of wine, th there's actually wine glasses that will do something similar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, okay. <laughs> Way needed to be more than an hour. So, show. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm moving to the next one, which is the white wine glass. And when you start getting into the different sizes, uh, white wine versus red wine, is all about the aroma. Allowing when you swirl the wine glass, wine in the glass, you're releasing the esters, and that's where you get that nice smell of citrus or uh, prune fruits or. Any of those nice smoke, pineapple, you know, pineapple, blueberry, yeah, stone, uh -huh. um, marsh, marshmallow, uh, marshmallow, no marshmallow. <laughs> I love it when they say things like like the smell of farmyard. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and you, you do with the old world wines. It's, get, it's, like, it's so funny because until I, you've actually smelled it, I had, that makes I no sense. Had, I had two wines today from uh, one from uh, uh, Israel and one from uh, Lebanon, and oh, wow. it smelled like it was like wet dog. Yeah, and one smelled like uh, limestone. Okay, so, I, I'm just gonna pose a question out there. If it smells like wet dog, I don't. I haven't smelled a wet dog wine yet. <laughs> I don't know if I want to drink that. <laughs> it's it's just part of the experience. It's just, you know, it's something that's been aged. Sometimes you know, in those countries, uh, the the fruit gets cooked, and it's part of the matterization, part of the process of the wine vinification. So. so we just have to be like brave enough to venture. I mean, it doesn't taste like, you know, I've never gone up and licked a wet dog, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, but that's what it smells like, so. <laughs> there's, there's certain things that when you smell it and people say, oh, this is barnyard smell. Yeah. As you, you know, as you, can assess, you can say, oh, this smells like uh, green apples. Oh, there's only a certain amount of wines that smell that way. Yeah. You know, certain, you know, uh, barnyard smell. Oh, certain wines from this region smell that way, and after a while, if you drink enough, you, yeah. Well, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. What you smell is your own experience, and what your own experience is is your experience. And so that's not right. It's not wrong. It's just what you what you smell, what you taste. So. Well, and I think you know part of the the, the purpose of like today's show is to kind of give us an overview mm -hmm. of you know what to what to expect when you're experiencing because there's a lot of really new wine drinkers. There's a lot of, of people who really feel like they're established wine drinkers. And, you know, to be, quote, unquote, socially savvy, you want to, I think, to have an idea of maybe what to expect is helpful. And knowing, you know, what wine glasses are going to allow you to get that sensory input early on and start learning to identify. Um, I have to agree with you. You know, you, the more wines you drink, the more you start to identify, it didn't take me very long to realize that a lot of Washington wines have that blackberry, dark cherry, blackberry, um, um, what concentrated, is concentrated grape, um, current, black current was the first one I was able to identify in wines for some reason. And uh, it was funny because it was, I was able to pick out the, the fragrances better in bigger wine glasses than I was in smaller. Mm. So that was kind of what got me to, to want to come to you, Jason, and talk about, you know, what is the difference between these wine glasses and how, you know, if, if you're a newer wine drinker, how will it benefit you to knowing what kind of wine glass? Because I know there's some restaurants where you can walk in and you can say, I would really uh, like this kind of wine glass to go with it. And definitely when you go, you know, the, the, the higher end restaurants, they see that you recognize that when you spend a, a quality dollar on a, on a bottle of wine, 
they'll give you the glass that matches with it. Some yeah. wines like to be decanted, which is help oxidize the wine, where the, the oxygen and the wine work together and you get this nice flavor. The aerators that you're seeing now help speed up the process. Mm-hmm. So for a hearty wine like a Cabernet or even our, our Washington Syrah are very hearty. People think, oh, Syrah, that's a light grape. No, not really. They're really, really, you know, hearty, so use the larger glasses. When I move down the glasses here, I have a red wine glass, and then I have another glass that looks like a goblet. So people say, oh, it's a goblet, because it looks like the, the bottom half of grape. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the reason is, is that when you've got it, it's got more room to swirl the, the wine in, so that way it releases more of the esters and enjoys the, wine, the enjoyable of the wine. It's like a journey. So, like, if you have a nice Syrah or a Chateau de Pop, in the beginning taste you have is going to be completely different than the last sip you have. And that's part of the enjoyment. That's part of the, the lure and the, the sexiness that makes it, ah, this is a nice bottle of wine, paired with friends and food. So basically, the the wine glasses, if you take the time to really learn and understand what kind of wine glasses and, and you want to make it an experience, particularly in a smaller party, people who have maybe some wine education or are wanting some wine education, actually having the white wine glasses can really enhance the yeah. experience for them. And I think for the beginner, maybe you'll, you can attest to that, is that you know, if you have two styles, just start with two. Start with a white wine and a red wine. Don't concentrate whether it's crystal or not. Something that fits good in the hand, not too heavy, not too light. And, you know, you don't need to spend a lot of money. And then as your experience and as you move up, then you start, you know, enjoying the wine more. And it becomes part. You don't want the wine to be the focus of your friends. You want your friends to be the focus focus of the event. Yeah. So, okay, I know we have a couple more wine glasses to go on to. um, Oh, hold on. I accidentally poured the wrong glass. I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I think we have our next taste. I was really good. It was. I'm going to have a red wine and a cookie. towards as what I would consider my all-around red wine drinking glass. Like a hybrid. Yes, yes, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about like this that we're drinking? For a blend, I know 
Okay, Michael. Actually, before we start, so there's there's actually a, a technique to when you grab a glass of wine. So I'm looking at your glass of wine right now, mm -hmm. and you and a lot of people do this too. So they cup they cup the glass in their hand, which heats the and wine. And I have fast. really hot hands. <laughs> yeah, you so can't you do that. So you want to grab it by the stem. Yeah. And people go right into the swirl. I sniff it. Sniff it first. And then swirl. No. Yeah. And then and then try it first. Oh really? Do you want to try it see if it needs to open up? Oh. It's too tight, and and this kind of gauges you know okay how early do I need to pour this or decant this? Sometimes it's really good, and then and then you try it and swirl it and smell it again. You'll get a different profile because now you're getting oxidation into it. You're getting you're oh, the fruit this is so juicy. Oh, I like Just that. For those I forgot how much I like that. <laughs> <laughs> those late yeah. listeners, when he says tight. Then it's not very aromatic because when you loosen it up, it's very bouquet. So you're basically saying when you use the word tight, you're saying the first time you swirl it, you're not getting a whole lot. Once it gets a chance to aerate a little bit, then the aroma, yes. like a like yeah. a bouquet of flowers, just yes. kind of overwhelmed. Right. Not, so we're not look, overwhelmed, but take a look at the color of that. You know, it's, it's like you know, it's, it's like nice cherry. It's beautiful. Uh, color. Uh, and there's there's actually an anatomy to this. There's like a, there's a core, and that's what's in the middle there. And it's uh, most people would say that's pretty reflective, but it's also you know the ruby color, almost blue. Actually, a little, actually a little blue in there, maybe. Blue. That's a blue red. But uh, the core, the core. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then if, you, if you look on the outside, you have the core rim, and that's really it's almost a strawberry color. Uh -huh. So, uh, and then you you, you kind of run around your glass and see what kind of tears you got. They'll tell you how hot the wine is. Sometimes. It's got some really pretty legs. It has. <laughs> I but, know that. Uh, mm. It's uh, what I like so much about this one, and and so while we're sipping it, please tell us about it. It's very juicy. It is very juicy. It is. It's a little bit lighter style. It's um, our Rhone style blend. It's all three grapes are from the Rhone region of France. It's it's cherry. I get my cherry. favorite fall wine right now. It is. I know. I almost get cranberry. Am I insane? No, I get no, cherry no, and cranberry, no, and kinda, kinda, oh, it, it's it, just it layers. Yeah. It's this layers. would be fabulous on Thanksgiving. Exactly. Oh my God! <laughs> this is going to be on my table Thanksgiving day. I, and I have to tell you, I have a really hard time finding a red wine for Thanksgiving. White wines are so easy, but red wines I always like have a fit over. Well, and it's funny when I get people in my tasting room and I say this is a really great Thanksgiving wine. <coughs> they go, "Really, you're going to pair a red wine with turkey?" And oh yeah. Wow. And I'm like, "Yeah. Where have you been? I'm you sorry. you put cranberries you on a turkey? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of mystique to say, you know, fish get white, meat get red. That's not necessarily true, especially with the variety you get here in Washington. It's like always people say, well, how do I know what I like? Go taste the wine." I mean, you come to a winery, and I'll tell this to my friends. It's like, if you taste the wine and you don't like it, it's okay to pour it out and ask for a different taste. That's why they're here. Ask them questions about what tastes good. You know, when you, I just came back from an Argentinian wine tasting, and one of the white wines that they have is called Tarantas. It goes really well with Thai food. People are like, oh, because you go to a Thai restaurant, they usually have the red and white, and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's ask questions. Experiment. You know, Michael, you know, he's a chef, too, and it's like, he'll test it. Like, be wines, he'll be like... I had this white wine that went well with this dish, and I didn't even think it would go well. Like today, actually, for those listeners, we had some nice wasabi. Uh, oh my wasabi god! Cheese with cheese. Okay, yeah. oh, wasabi. wasabi with horseradish, horseradish. cheese, yeah, and paired with a riesling. Awesome. Yeah, it was off the hook. And you know, for, for those listeners who are just getting into wine tasting, and you want to make a good splash, you want to do a fun little event. 
have, um, I've done this before, have everybody take, you know, give them two to three weeks because it's going to take a little bit of time. Have them grab their favorite wine and then go and talk to a chef or talk to somebody in a grocery store, a deli or whatever, and pair it with a fabulous cheese or a meat or a bread, something, and bring it. Because when you pair a wine with food, your experience, especially with close friends, not only does it create a, a fabulous event, but the, the conversation that comes out of it is so fun. Actually, uh, you know, it's a, I, I like that idea. Uh, but we, all you have to do is is grab a, your favorite bottle of wine and a couple of days ahead of time. Have <laughs> Start a glass eating of wine. and drinking. But what you do now is is you write down what do you taste, what do you smell. And based on flavor profiles, you can start building your dish around that. Yeah. And then now like you've got a perfect turn because mm. I see I taste cherry in this. You know, okay, so I'm thinking, okay, what am I do with cherries? Maybe in a, in a sauce. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do a reduction with uh, something else. Some of the, uh, the wine I'm, I'm going to serve that night. Uh, and then think of a protein. And then putting all that together. And now you have this amazing dish that pairs perfectly with your with your meal because you had it ahead of time. Well, and that's one of the things I think, you know, moving forward, is, you know, particularly in this region, and we have listeners down in California, so, of course, they get to enjoy sunshine all year round. But for those of us more northern, um, one of the things that we, we really relish is when the weather gets colder, the first thing we do is we really enjoy our fall wardrobe and we start looking into our wines and foods. And for those of us who've been playing with wine, um, whether you're beginning or you consider yourself more of an intermediate or advanced wine drinker, being able to pair with those foods and share with your friends, I have to say one of my favorite favorite experiences, and, and this is what we're going to do for my cocktail party for Halloween, <laughs> is have everybody bring an hors d'oeuvre and their favorite wine because when you pair two different wines with a one single food, you have two completely different experiences, and that is so much fun. It's definitely, to follow up on Michael's thing, it's like, you know, people think, oh, I'm gonna, I have to pair this wine with a filet mignon swirled with a... You know, <laughs> no, you can enjoy regular good food with a glass of wine, and you'll be amazed what you... Chicken stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's one for you. Try the next time, drink some port wine, which is a, a, a concentrated wine, with fiddle faddle. Fiddle faddle? Fiddle faddle. With caramel, it's got caramel. I have never had fiddle faddle. <laughs> You've never had fiddle faddle? Or actually, uh, an Oloroso... That has caramelina in that nose to it, yeah, would even be better. Okay, you guys, uh, now I know what you're bringing to the cocktail party because I want to know what this tastes like now. When you get into that, when you just when you're in that zone, you know, the white zone, you'll see people, you know, you see people at the restaurant, you know, uh, sideways did the same thing. We swirl these gums, oh, I got it too yeah. far. Yeah. Back it down a little bit, and when you have a good one, and it tastes great. Well, and I want to encourage our listeners because it's funny. One of our listeners who have, I actually happen to be. I guess you would call related to his definition is there's good wine and there's bad wine. <laughs> and there's a lot of wine drinkers out there that there's good wine, there's bad wine. And, and trying to um, approach them to the point where they can understand and, and enjoy the wine. You know, maybe they're sitting next to an advanced wine drinker. How can they become a part of the experience without being you know, that being able to t- taste those cherries, that, all that kind of thing. I mean, Michael, it you know, what's it your goes, experience? It goes back to taste. So uh, a lot of people don't, they know the taste, they know the smell, but they just can't think of the word. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's there's things called flavor flavor wheels, mm-hmm. and, uh, and those oh. help you put what you're trying to say on paper so you can look at it and go, oh, 
that's what I smell. I, you know, like, it was this one. So now, where once would I, we once find I, it? Now, once I swirled this, you know what I smell? Online. Shower curtain. Wine wheel. Shower curtain. It's not a bad thing. Wine wheel. Wine wheel. So, so actually, what you're saying is, is if you have all levels of wine drinkers, one of the things you could have at your party would be a wine wheel where everybody could pick it up and they could, that would allow them to feel like they could be part of the conversation and really be, feel like, oh, this is, this is the words I'm looking for. This right. is the flavor. Right. So, two things, two things that, you know, I challenge everybody to do is to, and you can get these, these flavor wheels just about anywhere. Uh, a lot of wineries. Do you guys have those here? I don't have any, have any here. I know Walla Walla has them. I can uh, take your Walla Walla. I don't think you'll be fixing that now. But I do know that you can, yeah, you can Google it. Like, I've even correct. actually seen yeah. it in the in the wine section at some of the grocery stores, uh-huh. too. Oh, and, and, and like one of our listeners just pointed out, it would be a fabulous party bagger. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And then the other thing is smell. Smell, smell, smell. Go into your spice rack. And oh, open, open the cinnamon, open the nutmeg, open the white pepper, open the the uh, the. the I love that for new corn. wine for new wine drinkers. That is a great idea. Go in and start mm-hmm. smelling. No, that's a really good point because if you're new to wine and you really want, we have a ton of of uh, wine drinkers from the point of 21. At, at, at 21 years of age, they are walking in. Actually, I have to say, and it was a private party, and it was a cultural private party. So in Washington, I should say, in most places, if you're having a cultural event like a wedding or something, um, underage people are allowed to you know, participate in the toast. What I was amazed with was how some of these young people who are looking forward to their, their you know, they're approaching their 21 really fast, how many of them were not just romance, but intoxicated by the wine yes. and learning about it. And they want, they're not drinking it to, to get drunk. They're drinking it because they love the culture and and um, <coughs> everything that's wrapped up in it. You know, um, when they teach you in culinary class or, you know, you know, I went to culinary school and all that, they, they, they don't give you wine when you go through the wine class. They give you cranberry juice, they give you tea, and they give you grape juice. And they use those basic three to say well, the wine is kind of kind of cranberryish. It's got that dry oh, flavor. Wow. Tea, you got the tannic, the tea, so that way we have a red wine like a tempranillo. I never tannic. would have thought of that. Grape juice, the sugar, the, the thickness, and the richness. So when you when I when uh, my wife and I we went to New York and we had two different wines, same wine. Mm-hmm. One was from Washington, one was from New York. You could tell the Washington wine was more concentrated flavored. Same type of grape, same, you know, right. Bordeaux, but different region. Oh, this is a little less strong. The temperature is how, how long it's in, oh, yeah. on the vine, mm-hmm. everything. Absolutely. But, you know, get, go in your kitchen. Go in your spice rack. When you're in the grocery store, in the produce section, grab the, grab the red bell pepper, the green bell pepper. I love that idea, you guys. smell it. Because what you're doing is you're training your olfactory. To recognize what you're smelling and automatically detect yeah. when you're, you're now. It, interestingly enough, I have to tell you, I green um, peppers are not my favorite, but because I had cooked with them for so many years, uh, one of the there was one wine that when I drank it, I recognized yep. that that bell pepper um, scent in my nose. So that's a really good point. I love that. Love, yep. love, love that. And when you do it enough, you know, you'll start getting okay. different. You know, when you smell a super Tuscan wine. You know it's a super Tuscan wine just by smelling. You don't have to look nothing else. Don't have to taste and go. That's super Tuscan because it's got a certain aromas, a certain taste. I love it. I love it, you guys. Well, and this is one of the things I think. So many people are so intimidated by wine has become such a cultural epidemic. 
Yeah. Which, as epidemics go, I'm I'm rooting this one is the greatest. <laughs> but I think so many people are intimidated by it that if we can somehow make it more approachable and make it more um, attainable. Knowledge is power. So again, going back and just training. Do some, do some homework. I mean, just yeah. you, you got it all around you. Just, you know, open your spice rack, start changing. You smell it. You're like. Oh, that's nutmeg. I smell nutmeg. So when you have a wine that smells like nutmeg, like nutmeg comes to my mind. So the more you do it, the more, the more often you smell and sniff and just smell everything in your house. And, and I'm serious, like and just just smell stuff, mushrooms, smell stone, pick up some rock and smell it. Yeah. Like, like limestone. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Dirt, yeah. smell dirt. Oh, I know it dirt. Silly, but I have three boys. I know dirt. Because, <laughs> because, you know, the mission to California, the monks, you know how they, they determined where a good spot to grow wine was. They went out and licked a lot of rocks. Wow. I didn't know oh, that. I did well, not know that. They had nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they had all that wine. And so drunk that that you do that. <laughs> a lot of monks, they make uh, herbal uh, aperitifs. So liqueur oh, out of yeah. herbs. Uh-huh. You know, chartreuse. And, well, and, and all your soothsayers and, and um, fears and stuff, they were drinking too. There, there's something to the whole culture of, of, <laughs> of fermented beverages. Let's just say that. <laughs> You know, but on the topic of education, that's my favorite part about working in the tasting rooms. And I, I'm in sales and hospitality. I run the full company, but I would never want to be pulled out of my tasting room for anything because it's the one place where I get people that are coming in to see me and are just drinking up whatever I can give them as far as explaining the wine and pointing out those flavors and. Being so close to Woodenville here in the Pacific Northwest with so many wineries around you that and you know, for the listeners in California, you have access to that and there's lots of people that know. Just start talking and asking questions. And the more you can go and visit the tasting rooms and talk to the people that have that background, it's it can do wonders for your knowledge. As you um for my clients that I sell my wine to, I get a lot of like, what does this go with? What does, go, what does that go with? For you who's here public facing, what is like the number one question that, you know, consumers ask you? You know, what is something that, that if you could say something, it's like, oh, I like this wine because of that. <laughs> like I, I get so many. I don't even know what the one is. You know, I get a lot of what would you pair with it? And so I've seen actually my my need for your education yeah, to go, jump because yeah, you've got to have that information. And that is kind of the one thing. A lot of people are really interested in the pairing aspect of it. A lot of people are interested in the growing of the grapes. It's amazing how many people come in and, you know, I get really interesting people that come in and ask me actual questions about the growing regions, and then I get really kind of annoying people that come in and tell me about the growing regions, and they couldn't be more wrong. But, you know, I, I love all of them. But, you know, this is an interesting, this is, you are the perfect person to actually address this to, and this is one of the things we brought up on the show before. Um, you know, it is socially acceptable to ask questions in a wine tasting room. It's not just socially acceptable. You guys actually enjoy and look forward and wait for those questions to come. Yeah. I absolutely love it when people come in and they're just, they're looking for that knowledge. Education and, hunger. Yeah. 
Exactly. They're thirsty. And it makes me excited and reminds me why I have the education that I have. Yeah. It, and, you know, I tell my father every day, I'm like, you know, I get to work in my passion. There's nothing better than this world than getting to do that. However, it's paying back because now I'm educating others. Yeah. And... You went from being mentored to to a, a mentorer. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the things. You know, our living in the United States, a lot of times people have a very kind of happenstance attitude about, you know, we have no culture. We, we You know, we're borrowed from every culture around the world. We have nothing that's our own. But the one thing I think that we really have that we can own is that we take experience and we take culture and we grab onto it and we love to go from a mentored position to a mentorer position and share our knowledge, whereas in some cultures, they kind of protect those secrets. They're not as willing to yes. share. I think in the American culture, that's one of the, the things that I find so romancing about us is we love to go from being the mentored to the mentorer. It's like I come from a very heavy food background, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, <laughs> and I enjoy food and wine, and one of the things that that Michael said that hit home. I'm like, oh, you know, I never thought. I mean, I I know, you know, wine. The wine tastes like it smells like nutmeg, smells like white pepper, green pepper. To actually sit there and say, you know what, I am going to go back to my spice rack and kind of smell and go, oh, you know. I like that idea. I like that. I love idea. that. I'm going to feel it. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, yeah we're totally going to feel it. I've actually made a party out of it. Uh, at the, yeah. at the curious. Oh, let's do a party. Oh, okay, we're going to do a socially yeah. savvy party. I love this. <laughs> Michael, you're bad. Wines and you use some. Uh, uh, and you just take some herbs and what have you, little cups, and you blindfold the person, and they have to try and guess what it is. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. Excellent, Well, and that's the thing. I think, you know, wine, and, and of course, I'm very partial to Washington wine, but when I first started drinking wine, um, California wines were all the rage. Um, and for a while there, I thought I was being kind of, um, what's the word, not partial, but more so, than, I can't think of the word, anyway, in drinking Washington wines and then drinking Australian and we bias. Thank you. I thought it was being biased for a while, but Washington as a region actually mimics regions across the world in one state. If you take a look at, you've got the desert on the one side, you've got all, I mean, from the Northern to the Southern part of Washington, we really do embrace some of the best that the world has to offer. So for a Washington wine drinker, if you're going out there and you're tasting different Washington wines, you really are getting what I would consider a teaser to what the rest of the world has to offer. And uh, wine grapes, <clears throat> wine making styles. The yeah. culture behind it, yeah. the passion behind it. We had a wine tasting I went to and I was drinking the guy's wine and I'm like, so, oh my God, so where are you from? Washington, <laughs> this tastes like a French wine. Yeah. You know, it's the style. And But the important thing to notice, and especially I'm sure uh, Brooke can attest, is that when the family's behind it, you have a story and you understand it, there's a little, I feel there's a little bit more passion behind it. There's a little yeah. love in the wine. Well, and, and that's one of the other things I was going to bring up is Washington wines, um, I really feel that they're not just romance, that, that we are impassioned by them. The people who make the wines, every... Um, wine sponsor of Socially Savvy, the winemakers have been impassioned by their wines. They live, they breathe at every moment of every day. And it's not because they're crazy. It's because that they really, truly... Some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk to the winemakers. I've talked to a few of them. I went to the gala event. It was a little... <laughs> 
but I think, you know, if, if you really want to look at being a part of something and, and learning about something that has a heavy root in culture and in passion, you're not wine, definitely. In wine. Not only that, but, you know, uh, as far as varietals go, we're... We rock it. We're, <laughs> well, and there's... But the thing about it is most of the wines that we have and enjoy for uh, for a while, I mean, there are, we're only about maybe 5% of what's out there in the world. Yeah. I mean, there are wines out there that I'm still discovering, and I'm taking classes, and uh, I would have never guessed that, you know, I would have never heard of that, and then tried it, and it's like, wow, it's amazing. And so, there's so many, I mean, it's thousands. The varietals alone. If you just stick with Washington, there's over 640 wineries, and you take that, and you start doing blends of different grapes. Every time I go to a wine tasting... You know, where people blend different things, like, oh, you know, I, I love blending. this with this with this. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, and I added French oak and American oak. Oh, my gosh. Such up and a half, you know. So I, I guess the one thing to say, before we you know we've got a couple more glasses we're going to talk about, about the wines. But the one thing I can say to the listeners is, you know, allow yourself to be romanced by the wine. Allow yourself to be entranced by it. And, and whatever you're comfortable with whether it be, you know, figuring out what two or three different wine glasses look like for a couple of bottles of wine, um, pulling out your spice rack. There's so much fun that you can create a, a great girls' night. Maybe your book club is coming over, or maybe it's just, you know, four or five girlfriends getting together, or maybe it's the guys getting together and they're bored with beer. I mean, there is so much that you can really get from wine and, and create something that is – I would get uh, I would guess more of a, a hybrid event where you can click into that little bit of intellectual without going over the top and getting into divulging and talking about and pulling people out of their shell to talk about and be a part of something. And the best events and, and hands down, everybody will ever say that the best events are when you can get everybody involved. And wine, I think, hands down gives you that capacity. The second thing is where do you buy your wine? Don't be afraid to ask questions. There's usually, unless it's midnight, there's usually a wine student <laughs> asking questions. I'm looking for wine for this. Don't be afraid. Read the place cards on the on the uh, shelf. You don't have to be a super wine expert to enjoy wine, but you should at least ask questions. Especially for those guys out there who don't know what to order, ask questions. It's okay. Yeah. Not only that, but if you're out and you're touring wine countries, even here in Washington, Yakima Valley, uh, and you love a wine, Get out to the lo- the local farmers market and and buy the local cheese, buy the local. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the rule of thumb, the rule of thumb is if it goes together, it grows together. That's very true. So, I would not have thought about that. You know, a lot of stuff like uh, you know, like uh, Laurel who does uh, the the goat cheese with the the herb and all that. If you buy her cheese and then buy the wine that's grown right next to where she grazes the, the sheep grazes, uh, it's like you get the same. Uh, herbals that come through on the wine, it's in the cheese, it's also, you know, the, the, the same citrus, the same everything. It's just amazing. It's really you're well. talking about, you know, perfect pairing. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, for, for those of you who are looking at, at creating special events, there are um, a few choice um, bakeries and, and um, bakers, Diana's Delights being one of the leading bakers in the area that I really feel like she will take a bottle of wine and she will pair it and make these amazing cake balls. You, oh my you, God. You, oh my God. <laughs> it's just like there are no words. Where so, <laughs> so within your culture, I know where it is, Diana. <laughs> but so within your own little, 
your own little community. There yeah. are so many resources if you want to. You know, wine is one of those things that you can take and you can make keep it very simple and very elegant, or you can take it to the depth by by cooking with it and baking with it and preparing and sautéing. You know, it. I don't know. I, it's just my favorite. Really, There's a thing about, you know, as a chef and me and Michael to help me out on this is that when people saute and they got a little white wine and they want to splash their, their shrimp on it, they tend to grab the cheap wine and they got a box of wine. It's like, it's okay. The wine that you put in your food should be as good as the wine, the wine you're drinking. Yeah. I see this on the time, the cooking wine. Please, those listeners, please drink quality wine, eat quality you wine. You know, I have to tell if you're not my listeners. to drink it, don't. Don't cook with it. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell my listeners, you know, if here's the thing is, is I have lots of wine, which because I'm a wine fanatic, um, if it, I open a bottle of wine and it is not what I would consider consider drinkable, I will cook with it. But I cook with it um, on what I would consider simple cooking. If you're going to prepare something like souvlaki, which is a traditional Greek um, dish where you're marinating it. Um, in lamb for 24 to 48 hours with the proper herbs and you're serving it. If you're going to do something like that where it's an actual presentation, you, you're right. You really do want to make sure that that wine is paired with what you're going to be drinking that night. Yeah, if whatever you don't like in that wine and you want to eat some cookie, guess what? That's also going to get on your food. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we supposed to do with the wine that doesn't quite, you know, you all of a sudden take it back, take take it back. back and yeah. throw it out? <laughs> Okay, well, so moving on. <laughs> Don't get the wine next to the vinegar. Marcus Church just make vinegar. Well, and that's the thing is I've used the wine for replacing vinegar. If it's Would anybody wine. know what the, 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 the recipe for vinegar is? Um, I actually think the great vinegars you have to have um, the culture for. Now, what's the ratio? We, I love this. We need to give our, our listener a mic. <laughs> some, some do three, three to, you do three to one? I do three to one. I do four to one, and I'll tell you why. Because if you have too much vinegar in your dressing, it's going to overpower your wine. Oh, we're talking oh. oil and vinegar dressing. I'm talking like the vinegar, oh. really good vinegars have a culture, like some. Oh, yeah, like when you're, when you're dipping yeah. vinegar in oil for. No, no, I mean, when you have the bad wine. You oh, and you cook it into it. And then you set your yeah. vinegar under your sink or whatever for. Right. Okay, so we, I, we have this fabulous listener who's getting much more complicated oh. with our bad wine than I would. <laughs> I absolutely love you, Valerie. <laughs> you know, three to one, we're talking oil and vinegar. Keep in mind that if you add citrus to it, like lemon juice, that's part of the ratio. The ratio. Yeah. Which, in, Greek cooking, in Greek cooking, you do a lot of lemon juice. You do a lot of oregano. Um, yeah. I, you can add mustard to it. It's part of, of the ratio. ratio. You yeah. have to back it off. And acid is an acid. I love it. Okay, so Mr. Jason, <laughs> walk it. <laughs> no, we're not going to have a 70s wine. No, we're not going to have a 70s wine <laughs> party. That's, no. So the last, magic mushroom. So tell us about the last two wine glasses. The last two wine glasses are considered uh, red. Um, My favorite. By red. And you have, they're both. I'm looking at two glasses, approximately eight inches tall. You're going to see these mostly in restaurants. One, both have a, uh, a similar uh, bowl-shaped feature. One looks like a traditional kind of an orange base with a narrow top, and the other one is kind of a goblet style that looks like a half of the grapefruit, so it's got a big bowl. 
Say I look at one that's elongated, the other one reminds yeah. me of a bumblebee. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's been a while actually since I've taken uh or I I actually took the anatomy of what the glasses are. Now the top is the is that the crown? That is the crown. And then what's the rest of it? I forgot. <laughs> the crown, the ball, the stem, and the base. And the base. The bowl is which allows you to swirl the wine around, which releases the aroma. The ester is the technical term, but it's the aroma, which is oxidized, which is allow air to touch the uh, the juice of the grape, you know, the wine. So on a quick side note, what wines do you typically not want to over aerate? It depends. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It's I not mean, like a red or a white wine. There are some thing. red wines you okay. open up and it's like... Oh hell yeah! Percent alcohol, and you, <laughs> yeah. you have to let that breathe, and right. you need a lot of uh, surface area for that. Or it's an old world wine has been been sitting uh, for fifty years. Shut up the pop is one of those wines you want to aerate that. And it's a roller coaster of flavors. Wow. You start off with a barnyard flavor, barnyard you know smell, uh-huh. and it goes up to a fruit bomb, and it comes back down to some straw, a little mushroom, and it goes back. It's that experience I talked about earlier. So traditionally, you want to do a hearty wine in the bulbous. Goblet wine, which is looks like a tulip. Yes. Oh, excellent. And then the regular wine, you just want to do a regular, you know, your your small on that. So your blend would do better in an elongated, because you have so many different factors going on. Okay. Can I give the novice roll? Oh no, I love this. Okay, so we have one of our listeners who's going to give us the novice roll. I love this. The more delicate the red wine grapes, you probably don't want to aerate. Right. You don't want to be losing your Pinot Noir. But you can take a really heavy, robust wine and aerate it. That's my rule. I saw it, and it works really well. So if somebody gave you a bottle of bread and you sat it for 20 years at your wedding and you decide you're going to pop it for your 20th you anniversary, you just want to open it and start drinking it. And decant it. And decant Decant it. Okay. Decant it is kind of like swirling, but not. It's kind of like you open up the wine, and you pour it in the, those nice decanters. And it's kind of like, it allows uh, all the sediment stuff to, to settle to the bottle. Bottom. Can you explain the difference between decanting and aerating? Oh, thank you. I love that. No, that's wonderful. So aerating is an increased oxidation of the wine or more oxygen reaches the wine quicker, whereas the decanting allows the wine to settle with the oxygen outside of the bottle. And okay, so as I understand it, if you're oxid oxygenizing a wine, you're hitting more oxygen is hitting more surface of the wine than not. Yes. Okay. It's time. How much time do you have? Are you that person that like, oh my God, I gotta like open this bottle of wine and drink it in like ten minutes. That'd be me. Then there <laughs> <laughs> or if you're someone who likes to like decan it, you know, get that out of the way and then on a great evening, yeah. Put your dirt together, yeah. then that's perfect. It's like taking a bite out of an apple. Only that little section is gonna get brown. Versus if you cut it in four. Oh my God, that is great. Okay, so say that again. So on an apple. <laughs> that again. That whole thing about the wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry you're at you. Okay. <laughs> what? He's making fun of me. No, I think actually yeah, that no, that that clicked for me. So when you cut it please. up. An yeah. Apple. So when you pour it in decanter, there's only a smaller surface area that's getting oxygen versus where you're pouring it through oxygen. You're forcing that oxygen to interact with the, the molecule yeah. of the wine. Oh, and it changes that. the molecular structure that gives it. It's like it's just ripening fruit. If you like uh, left cup fruit out on the counter for like a day, and you come in, into the kitchen, you're like, yeah, you smell like you know yeah. 20 feet away. Yeah, right. Uh, it's the same thing as fruit oxidizes. It gives out more flavor, more more. Um, it's kind of like aroma. for you, aroma. Aroma. the Latino in you. It's kind of like 
That's guacamole, why I like the Tempanillo. Yes, Tempanillo. When you, when you make guacamole. Okay, guacamole is not a good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like have a piece of the guy when you first have oh, yeah. it. Oh, yes, because the tomato, very onion. If you let it sit for a little bit. For 24 hours, oh, delicious. delicious. Okay. But keep in mind, though, when we drink wine, if you like the the, the uh, elegance of drinking it, when you put it in a decanter, it's nice. It's so, it's well, it's also a very elegant presentation, number one. And, and number two, I think you're right. If you have a wine that maybe isn't as old or, you know, is, is a rather young wine, Correct me if I'm wrong. You lose nothing in decanting it. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, you don't have to decant every wine. You don't have to aerate every wine. And as you enjoy the wine, then you start knowing. And as what she, the our listener over here said, when a delicate wine is, that's why white wine glasses are a little longer and a little. So um, they're not exposed as right. quickly. It's delicate because a white wine, you want to smell the apricots, you want to smell those daisies, you want to smell those green pepper, whatever the, the smell of the wine is, that's the delicateness of it. Where if you start aerating it, you lose it. That's why your crown That's why your crown is smaller because it it's not allowing so much those, to come out. Those, uh, those aromas in one in area. One area. Okay. It's, it's, so I have a nice, socially savvy dinner party tip. Oh, I love this. I love our listeners. Okay. Hold on. You've got to get a mic. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. You've got to get a mic. I will often, when I'm setting the table for dinner, which is two or three hours ahead of dinner, pour everyone's red wine. Oh, I love that. And then you don't have to pour it at dinner. You don't have to worry about the canning. You don't have to worry about opening it. And it sits open, and it opens up beautifully. It makes a beautiful presentation on the table, too. Also, when people go in to sit down... Even if you're opening other wines or they have other wine glasses, their bed is there. And it's it's lovely. It's nice. No, I like that. That's a very it's elegant. It's a great way to open up a wine, too, especially depending on the type of glass. Yes. Well, and if you're if you are a, a particular host where you're the one who is making the food and presenting the food and also trying to host and enjoy it, that's a great way of, of being prepared so that you can continue enjoying. You've already got it taken care of. You can move on to the different courses and not feel like you're overwhelmed. Definitely. I love that. Love it. Okay, so Jason, tell us real quick. We're going to be heading on to the socially acceptable and unacceptable. One of the things I did want to touch about, it is socially acceptable. And this is brought to you by Cascade Ice. Only two calories. Love them. <laughs> it is acceptable to drink wine out of any cup. Um, long gone are the days of being pretentious. Um Yes, the wine glass, and you know what we talked about today, about the different wine glasses having different effects on the wine. Yeah, they do have an impact, but if you drink wine out of a plastic cup, out of a paper cup, there are people, and, and I have to say I'm one of them, I have a hard time drinking it out of a plastic cup, but you can't. It's not socially unacceptable anymore because the pretense has gone away. It's the table wine. There are different qualities of wine that you have. As we enjoy this wine today, you drink this out of a white, uh, 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 wine glass. Uh-huh. There are some wines that are just table wines. They're not bad. They're not good. They're okay. I have, I have a notorious small little uh, jelly jar that I drink my wine out, and my wife gets so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it doesn't have it doesn't to. matter. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and but you know when sideways the movie, he drank a very nice bottle of wine in a plastic cup. Wine. That was a very strange movie to watch. Yes, it, it was neat. Well, in the whole movie, he was like, I don't like Pinot Noir, but... No, he wasn't. No, no, he loves Pinot Noir. He loves Pinot Noir. Let's get it right here. Yeah, bridal that actually was had Merlot in it, so it was like... Speaking of Merlot, that's our final thing. I love that. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. All about the segue. We love it. And, and actually, sideways as a movie was a continual segue. <laughs> so this is our 05 Merlot. This is one of the Walla Walla Valley Merlots. The grapes are coming from uh, Seven Hills and Pepperbridge Vineyards. And can I just say that, speaking of sideways, that movie literally killed the Merlot industry. And so every sad. single person that comes into the tasting room that says, didn't you just love that movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> and I... I, you know, it's sad that, that, that people can get so caught up in a movie that they would actually tank on something. Because I drink this Merlot, and it has a fantastic nose and a great flavor. And what I actually like so much about it is that it's gone. It doesn't, it doesn't over-linger. It doesn't, it, it, it's one of those wines that you could drink, and it's not going to overcompensate or over, what's the word, over-bear a food. That's the thing is like you know you gotta remember though when the movie Sideways came out to where we are now, yeah. the wine industry has grown, Boom. the variety has grown, the uses of food has grown. When I was in culinary way back when at 15 years old, the big thing was sun-dried tomatoes. And now we're looking at you know <laughs> molecular gastronomy where they're taking olives and you know adding acetate. We're having way too much fun. Like, 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 He's like, give it to me straight. Thank you to our sponsors. 
um, Petite Creek Cellars here in Woodinville, Seattle Wine Exchange, Pop Tips, Paps Beer, Wipes, Bellevue Nordstrom's Cosmetics, Eye Candy Lash Boutique, Cascade Ice, and Black Bottle Posture as some of our socially savvy sponsors. Um, for all of our fans, be sure to like us on Facebook page and um, you'll be entered into a drawing at the end of the month for our prizes, which typically includes some fabulous bottles of wine. So um, we announced that at the beginning of the month, so good luck. Go to Facebook.com homepage for Socially Savvy. Become a listener. Also, we are going to be going into the after party, so we're going to touch base with some more things, have a little bit more fun. Uh, we'll go off live broadcast. You can pop back in and listen to it um, at any time. And uh, we're still, you know, happy to take your phone call so you know what the phone number is. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about this last wine that we drank and what is in it and what. So this really is the Merlot. This is our 05 Merlot. The one that I loved in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one that you were like, oh, my God. Um, it is. It is 100%. It's 3% cab. Uh, it's not quite 100. Yeah. Really, we needed that cab just to. Give it the boost. Actually, Five. I don't even think it did much. It was 3%, really. <laughs> I thought there was like, yeah, 3%, that's going to make a huge difference. Um, but it's all Walla Walla Valley, and that's what really makes this wine special. To me, specifically, you know, people talk about Merlots, and there's the, the beginner red wine, you know. And they really are in some cases, but those, I think, are very kind of reserved Merlots. And the Merlots that are coming out of Walla Walla Valley can kick your butt in a heartbeat. They're very complicated. I mean, yeah, I love that. Are. I really do. And I love that about that region. And I can't tell you how many times in a tasting room I've had, not just this tasting room, but others that I've had people walk in and go, I really don't care for Merlot. And I go, but you haven't had my Merlot. Okay, you know, and I have to say that that's, I find that very atypical of Washington wines because that's how I felt about Chardonnay. Right. And I think didn't I tell you you haven't had my Chardonnay? Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And what was your reaction to that? Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? Well, we have to keep in mind too is that just because you don't like a, a particular varietal out of a certain region doesn't mean you, you don't like all of them all over the world. Exactly. No, that's so actually a good point. Yeah. That's why I tell people take the wine and taste it. If you don't like it, you can pour it out, but still taste it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a really I think you make a good point for. You know, and taking a couple of friends and going wine tasting. It, and one of the notes, and, and I was going to run this by you, I think one of the, the good strategies is if you want to try lots of wines and you want to get into this, really, honestly, don't hit more than three or four wine tasting rooms in a day. Oh, goodness, no. Because you are going to be so... And don't do the distilleries yeah. on the same day. Oh, yeah. No, do the distillery yeah. Don't mix your alcohol. Yeah. Please, please. Because I honestly don't want to see you after your distillery. As much as I love the distillery. I know, and you have one right next to you. <laughs> were like, oh, 
People don't spit. Like, as a wine professional, when I go to wine tasting, we scroll, we sit. Okay, but most wine tasters don't spit. So let's just put that out there. I will add, I can't, I'm going to side with Michael on this one. I'm so overbred. I would say start with your lighter wines, your white wines first, then go to your heavy reds, dessert, ports. That would be my direction I recommend. Okay. Yeah, at least the oldest, drier tea. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, you know, and I've taken food pairing classes, you know, and you can have a cocktail for dinner. Oh, I think that's fine. Yeah, but I'm saying when you're out yes. tasting. But I want, I want listeners to think I can never have a cocktail before. Oh, no, I would agree with that. Because that's, why, that's why I'm saying, I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm just saying that. I agree can, with you, Michael. In, in, in a lot of cases, you can even have, and I've done this, uh, you can have a uh, a martini as a, as, a, um, as a break in between meals. I've done, I've done, started with a mixed drink and then gone onto a white, bounced to a bubbly and ended with a bread. See, that's the thing though, it's a mixed drink. When you go to the tasting room, you're tasting the pure, the pure grain form. vodka, yeah. pure yeah. green whiskey. Yeah. Not that they're yeah. not good, they're excellent. They just have a tendency to overpower. It is still enough to very overpowering. Enough that really, once you get into a tasting room, you're not tasting anything. You're done. Essentially, I've had people that decide to start at the distilleries in a day, and I'm like, why? <laughs> and if you really are trying to do that, end with the distilleries. Because not only have you gotten all of the fun of the wineries and all of that, but now you really get to have fun with the distilleries. Mm-hmm. And there's an art to the cool point. And a lot of them around here. It doesn't hurt that filming. you're sitting next to a grappa distillery. <laughs> I know. And I love them. I really do. Soft sales mm-hmm. fantastic. Listen to your friends. When you go to a winery to taste, the person behind the counter is your friend. And if they're really good at it, like, I love talking to her. We had She's great awesome. time today. I know. We could spend an hour here, you know, tasting Oh, wine, easily. You know, about easily. It. Versus those you go there and you're like, yeah, this is our son, son, This is our son, son, this is our son. There's no like, education. That's right. not fun. Yeah. It's not fun anymore. And yeah. then that's where you get those one friends who really aren't in the wine who just kind of tag along with you just so they appease you. Right. So if you find the wineries that are good, <laughs> my I have to say my husband, he's so cute. There's two kinds of wine. There's good wine and there's bad wine. <laughs> pick me, pick me. They're the fun ones. They are. Well, but you know, the great thing about it is, is interestingly enough, for those wine, for those people who are going out and they're that wine drinker, they're that wine. It's either good or it's bad. Interestingly enough, in a group of wine drinkers, when they say it's good, they're like, oh, my God, this is so good. They are the most fun in the wine tasting. You have to get those groups of friends. There's been a lot of times that we go to wine tasting, and uh, the friends that come along, they're like, yeah, all right. And they're just interested. They're over there in the corner looking at the wall and the painting. You know, and here I am going, oh, I'm swirling. I'm like, oh, this is really nice, you know. <laughs> you have to know your friends, too. Yeah. You have to know your friends. And, and you know, I, I think the, the cool thing about wine tasting is you can be, it's not a demographic, it's not an age group. And it's not even an experience. You can have a very advanced wine tasting person with somebody who's just starting out. And if you if you do... The only thing that I encourage people is, is do a little research on the tasting room if you know you've got a mixed demographic and mixed group. If you know that you've got some very young wine um, connoisseurs, people who are wanting to get into it or are just starting out, make sure you take them to wine tasting rooms where the people behind the counter are like Brooke, where they're, it, they're romanced by tasting, they, where they want to share the experience, where they want to make it good for everybody from what I would consider the kindergartner wine drinker to the, I have a BA and an NBA BCQRST in wine. 
That leads me to this next thing I want to touch briefly with you about your social savvy. Last week we talked about what socially savvy on say Facebook or your events. And we talked about where people uh you, you put on events and they say, Yeah, I'll be there, yeah, I'm oh, yeah. And then they show up. <laughs> so this was a big topic on the Facebook page the last couple of days about don't be a Facebook plague. Yeah, be, Which, if you're going to RSVP, RSVP true. If you're a baby, you know what? We're totally cool with a baby. Yeah, it's okay to say no. It's I just okay want to feel that no. people, are, from other people I heard, that this has become a bigger and bigger issue yeah. where people are tired of saying, you know, oh, I, you said you're going to come and we don't show. And I, I, I opened that extra bottle of wine. Yeah. You didn't go. Well, it, it's like, you know, here, this, actually, you open up a, a perfect um, entourage. But what, I, what happened with me is I RSVP'd yes to an event. Um, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I realized I was not going to make it. So I notified the host of the event that, you know, barring a miracle, I was not going to be able to make the event. It was really hard for me not to make the event. But in letting them know, they now knew that there were going to be two people less, so they did not open that extra bottle of wine. They did not buy that extra, you know, six ounces of food or, or whatever. There's a, a basic respect that goes along with understanding when somebody is putting on an event, whether it be a wine tasting or a dinner party or a barbecue, even a potluck, people are very um, aware of, of who's showing up. And if you, like for me, I have a family recipe for a garlic dip that goes back, you know, 65 years. When I bring it, I make sure that there is enough for everybody. Well, if 20 people decide they're not going to show up, if I know ahead of time, I won't overmake that. And it's important because the word that you spoke, that was really a big talk this last couple of weeks. And it's, you know, don't be a Facebook plague. So well, people say no. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing is we need to make sure that people realize that it is okay to say no and we're not going to make it. And and you know, one of the things I've noticed the last couple of weeks since we did that show here a couple of weeks ago was people are now saying, you know, I really wish I could make it. I'm sorry. I'm blah, blah, blah. You know what? I really respect that because there are literally, but for somebody like me with the Socially Savvy Show, I get at any given time, I have over 75 invites to events. I would love, I mean, can I tell you how much I would love to make all those events? I have a husband. I have a family. I have things that, that are a part of my life that I choose to make a part of my life. And sometimes you have to make a choice, whether it be easy or tough. Still, you know, again, be, I'm, I'm, a big ad, I say maybe a lot. And and I will follow it up with a note. If I can make this work, I will totally be there. I support what you're doing. Um, if I can't make it, I'm sorry. You know, understand that people's time is worth something and their resources. When you open a bottle of wine, that's a resource. And it's, you know, we're talking juice here. Hello. <laughs> juice. We have a, you know, this is what makes the after party so spectacular. Like when you show up, I was just saying, when you show up for a socially savvy event and you're part of the after party, you get these teasers of things that other people don't get to enjoy. So, Brooke, tell us a little bit about this beautiful, just luscious juice in front of us. This is the one wine that I will actually say is haunting. Oh my god, it it's beautiful. literally haunt you until I, I can't figure out when to stop. Um, it's like... I'm, I'm being actually encouraged by a listener to say it's better than sex in a glass. It's very it's sexy. Really, it really, really is a very sexy one. It really is. Honestly. I wouldn't say it's better. It's, it's, a, it's a great prelude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
I've always told them the next time we ever have to make this wine, I'm standing on the sideline <coughs> with a hot toddy and a camera. Just well, to document it. You know, the thing about about uh, ice wine is you you created something that is such an experience. I mean, I had a, a very good friend who also has another vineyard um, walk me through. I was going to a barbecue, and I wanted to have a dessert that was exceptional. I mean, this was an exceptional group of people. And um, he pulled me aside, and he said, this is what you do. He goes, you buy the ice wine. He goes, you take your strawberries. You've got to have at least three hours for this. He said, you pour the ice wine on the strawberries. You let them sit for three hours. Mm -hmm. You strain off the strawberries. You then take the shortcake and the the juice that's left. You dip the shortcake into it. And and he suggested the little individual shortcakes where you soak it in the top and then you flip it over on the bottom. You put it on the plate. You put the strawberries over the top and you finish it with whipped cream and you serve it with aside of the ice wine. This is actually a dessert that my dad requested for his 70th birthday this weekend. It is exceptional. Like, just make that, and I looked at him and just kind of laughed and said, I only make them small scale. Small scale. <laughs> but the other really great thing to do is to mix this into your whipped cream, which is another really great thing for Thanksgiving coming up. <gasps> you know, when you make whipped cream, yeah. you need to sweeten the, the heavy cream. I would use the vanilla. Or exactly pour this into it and granted the children cannot have no they can't no well you think culturally but but culturally you're only going to get a small portion and i mean the greeks and the italians and we're giving our kids half a glass of wine so what the heck right exactly but i'm just going to cover myself (laughs) (laughs) i'm going on record um but Sweeten your whipped cream for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So totally doing this. It's absolutely delicious. It's divine. You know, anytime whipped cream is needed, it's really good. That's a good idea. I really like that. Uh, But the other thing that's really cool is uh, you can also, you know, I'm picture this I want a bottle. Pineapple in here. (laughs) I mean, I could just drink this with a pineapple upside down. Right. Is there, okay, so I'm picturing pineapple in the room. With this, then pineapple upside down cake. And my cheese. And I'm really kind oh. of sad and kicking myself that I didn't run to the store Apricot. to get some blue cheese. Yes. In fact, I was just talking <coughs> to someone today where she was talking about doing a food pairing for a party okay. where we pair this with apricots stuffed with blue cheese. And wow. I thought they're going, wow, that just sounds really delicious to me. Well, it's interesting because I've been having a newer... Um, I, I've been trying to educate my wine palate for about three years, and I had to give them my wine studies because, you know, <laughs> economics just, like, tanked. But even prunes, I get this feeling that, that this would be, you could, yeah. oh, my gosh, really. Well, it's an interesting point because, you know, you said blue cheese, and a lot of times, you know, you're doing, like, ports and, and blue cheese. Blue cheese is, it's a contract thing. So, like, right. everyone loves salty sweet. So, right. that's kind of the exception to the rule, uh, where if you're going to play on food pairings that, uh, contract or actually really good. So. Okay. Love that. But, uh, you know, I, 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 this, this makes this a little lemon curd on top of cheesecake. Mm. would be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap up the show with um, our socially savvy tips, best ways to store wine glasses. Jason and Michael, could you please tell us the best way to store wine glasses and also clean them, what not to do? Make sure they're clean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot of times, you know, depending on what you're doing, because some people will run their, their glasses through the, the dishwasher, uh-huh. and you have sediment, you the know, hard like uh, 
the water spots on them. Yeah. And it's mineral. It's actually mineral deposits. And that will actually change your one. So you're better off to hand wash them, correct? Yes. And then one of the things that I learned is there are certain towels that you want to dry them with because if you go with the heavy, fluffy towels, they don't dry and they leave streaks. You want to go with a towel that is set up for drying glass. No paper towels. Uh, they leave lint. Terry cloth towels. You know, if you're going to buy the glass of wine and they're decent, get a good uh, lint-free cloth. Okay. They're not too terribly expensive and they'll last long. You'll see mine here. It's got red stains and lines and use, but it leaves the glass spotless. And that's my thing is, I. <laughs> does that make you a wine snob if you want no, to no, no, glass no. spotless? When you, when you take the wine, you grab the wine glass and you go to swirl it. You don't want to go, oh. There's that, lipstick, a Virgo. Uh, Sue, there's that orange juice stain. And, no, put it in hot water, wash it off, and let it sit air dry. Then wipe it down and put it away. Now, that's what I do. Is I usually I wash it in the hot water. I use very, very little amount of soap. Rinse it immediately with a, a hot water and then set it upside down to drain for about five to seven minutes. And then I hand dry it with a terry cloth like that. That's it. I mean, you don't need hundreds, hundreds of you know, wine degrees, glasses. right? Yeah. Especially when you go to these wine tastings and you know, like you know, going to have like you know, 500 people out and you got all this somewhere out there. I grab a glass and I'll smell it. It smells weird. I put it down and grab another one. Yeah. Oh wow, I see. That's Because that'll change your whole tasting. Have you ever noticed going to a restaurant where that has yes. happened? Oh yeah. my god. Biggest annoyance to me is when I pick up a glass at a restaurant, smell the glass, and it smells and like. And the waiter kind of looks at me like I'm crazy, and I hand him the glass back and go, "Can I get a different glass?" Because oh, the glass is hot. Yeah. You no. Know? And you're like, oh, like, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they. I really well, at a high-end restaurant, you actually, interestingly <laughs> enough, you know that is a good, really good tip. If your waiter looks at you confused, then you need to ask for the wine store. Right, exactly. Because they're not going to be able to help you with your experience, whether you're advanced or whether you're a beginner wine taster, because that, that's a really good point. I love that. Okay, so um, any totally socially unacceptable things when it comes to wine glasses? Anybody have any comments? I mean, with Jason. I, I do. I love this. When you're at a restaurant, you know, you're paying a certain amount of your funds, your hard work, money, and you look at the glass, and like she was saying earlier, you smell it, you know, that's one. Smell it, you know, they look at your walk weird. That's, that's okay. It's socially unacceptable to have wine stains on your lips. It's, or when you, when you take the lip and you look at the lip, how many times have you had lipstick? Lip lip oh, oh, socially unacceptable to have a lip stain oh, mark. A tip? A tip? Okay. I have a great tip. Love this. Ladies, I have lipstick wear. Wipe your own glass. 12 hour wipe lipstick, so it does not. That's what wait. I wear. I wear turbo lipstick. When you're yeah. done in the evening, wipe your own glass matter. because yeah. it'll never come off, and it's your responsibility if you want to wear that <laughs> lipstick. Oh, <laughs> your own makeup. Actually, you know what? That's a really good tip. Yeah, yeah. Wipe your own lipstick off, especially like out and about, of course, but at friends' houses. Well, because most people, again, you know, this is why we're bringing up the whole wine glasses and, and how to clean them properly. A lot of people have wine glasses and they throw them in the dishwasher or they don't know how to clean them properly. It doesn't take it off. No, You've got no. to hand wash them. I definitely, when oh, I do, yeah, definitely when I clean my glasses, I've got tons of lipstick things I have to do. <laughs> um, I do have a tip. If you're going to a wine tasting, uh, make sure your cologne is no cologne. Too heavy. Yep. No uh, cologne. If at all, if you can help it, don't wear any cologne yep. or perfume. And wearing a preference, wear an outfit like yours. <laughs> wear red. Something red. <laughs> 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 if you do insist on wearing cologne
make it something other than vanilla fields. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 flower bomb. I, I love flower bombs. <laughs> I think a lot of people. Smaller tasty rooms. I'm sure we can all smell you. So, so you know, this actually brings up a really good point. A lot of times, people really feel like their fragrance is um, a signature to them. Like I have a signature fragrance. Actually, I have two that that blend so well with my chemistry that. When I wear that, people actually make comments on it. If you're going to go wine tasting, nobody cares about your signature. (laughs) And and I don't mean to be rude about it. If you're going to go wine tasting, you have to understand this is a sensory experience, which means do not overrun somebody else's sensory experience with your preference. And wineries go through a lot of experience to make sure that happens with lighting, temperature, glassware, and if you come in and you take that sensory, that uh, olfactory uh, experience out of the customer's hand, now it's like, all right. <laughs> now I get suspended. Now it's yeah, now I'm annoyed. It's like, a, yeah, it's like insulting my child. A lot of people do it out of ignorance. And that's why we bring it up. That's why, you know, being socially savvy, and the, the one thing that we talk about is being socially savvy is by definition being aware. You don't have to have an MBA or a BA or any kind of degree. You simply have to be aware, whether it means you taking and learning, doing a little bit of education and understanding what your presence is going to do at a social event, whether it be how you wear your clothes, um, what fragrance you wear is at a wine tasting event, don't wear fragrance. If you are going to a fashion show, don't wear hoochie clothes. You know, it's being aware. Sorry, I had to say it. Yes, very recently. Gucci clothes, yeah. LB, I want to bring in something that Brooke said about only go to four or five tasting during the day. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. I've had a lot of friends Three to take four. with me, and they're Three like, I got to pay $5? I don't want to make this about money, but I'm talking about when you, when you, you pay a cover to enjoy the wine that they're providing for you. Make sure you can remember it. Or make sure you remember it. Make sure, yeah. make sure that you enjoy it. Yeah. It covers the wine, the wine class, the education, the mm-hmm. tasting, everything else that this person's doing for you. They're your, that's why I take the time. If you're just going yeah. to go get drunk, go to the bar. If you exactly. want experience. And I think here. you make a really good point. A yeah. wine tasting fee, if, if a room is, tasting a, is charging a wine tasting fee, um, recognize that it's not just covering the, the cost of the wine. There is these people are behind the counter. They've made sure are educated to give yes. you the best experience. Educated. Yes, and and you the whole point of you being there is to to take advantage of that education, and they're willing to share it. So respect it and enjoy. Exactly. And even when the tasting rooms are not charging a fee, keep in mind that there are a few out there that still don't charge a fee for tasting. Yes. Not necessarily around here, but I know that there's a you and Wood in Walla Walla and some in like and Wood Yeah. That Well, they, if you mention socially savvy at quite a few of them, you'll get a free wine. Too. Right. Just exactly. say it. <laughs> but keep in mind that, you know, just because it's free, we're not we're not the pre funk party. We are not the place to go. You're there to wow. share. Yeah. I'm there because I'm educated. I know what I'm talking about, and I want to educate you. I'm impassioned to share my my education, yeah. And I I want to talk to you about wine, and even if you're not in in a place right now, you know, financially to be able to purchase three or four bottles, or even one bottle, at least show your respect to me, 
and pretend like you're at least into it. Yeah. So in other words, just be there for the drugs. Yeah. Three to four is my know, I'm sorry, but you know the the tasting fees here in Washington State are absolutely minimal. Yeah. And, oh and most of the time, you get the you get the the, the feedback the top if you end buy a bottle of wine. Yeah. Exactly. And you go to yeah. California. No. It's a tasting fee that's like two or three times, it's like fifteen oh, no. to twenty dollars. And there's no discount. And you don't get that back when you yeah. buy a bottle of wine. No. So yeah, when you think about it, when you when you pay your your minimal tasting fee, that's a glass of wine of good quality. Oh wine. yeah, most definitely. Definitely. And you're getting a chance to sample anywhere from three to seven glasses of wine. And for those listeners who are in there, if you really or want to do your savings. Be engaged because sometimes the taster will go. You know what? I like you. I'll let you. They'll pull piece that piece out from, from below the, the bar. That's the ice wine. It's the after party ice wine. Absolutely love you. Oh. Or I actually. Or I'm with Helby. Or my parents are actually in the room because that's happened before where they sit there going, can you have that ice wine? What's that, that yeah, wine? That, and there's a big bottle. group of people in here and I'm like, would you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about that right now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, like, don't talk about it. That's called, that's called the backroom wine. The, the one that you share with those very special people. So if you want to have the access to the, the back door or the exclusive wine. Okay, Michael, put your eyes Oh, my God. We did not change topics. Um, oh, yeah. see, you're right. I think if the more engaged you are, the more then I've seen that. I've been at several tastings where they're like, I'll, I'll go through the wines and I'll be engaging and asking them a question. They'll go, give me, give me just a minute. And they'll bring out this special bottle and they'll talk about it. I think that's happened in my case here when you were out, right? A couple, well, it's called the Tempranillo. <laughs> tasting and having people over for wine. What is the best way to store your wine glasses? Storing your wine glasses, you don't necessarily have to have those racks or upside down. You can store them in your regular cabinet, but if you have a wine towel, you know, towel you have, and you have friends come over, wipe them down. Wipe them down. That's that's really what the bottom line is. I mean, Love it. Unless you're meeting, you know, grape jelly jar, you know. I wipe them down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have to say, the only thing that makes me a wine snob is I like my glass. Beautiful. Oh, speaking of which, uh, when you get a wine glass, you don't get the heavy ones. Get something a little lighter. Spend, you know, a little, a little bit more money. Yeah, and make it a little lighter because when you, you know, it's kind of funny. You think, oh, the wine glass doesn't make nothing. When you're holding it and it's heavy, then you start putting your hand around the bowl. And you, you warm the wine, the wine and off. you change the temperature right. and the experience. Now, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Michael. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, they, people put you know, the white wine in the refrigerator and it gets too cold. So it's really tight. So not me. But but it's kinda of, kinda of fun too. You, you try your wine and I don't think what I'll do is I'll put my hand on the bowl on purpose to warm it up to get that fruit to open up. And then you get a completely different wine sometimes. I think you have to have a little bit of education because I would baffle that. Yeah, I can say a lot of people might be confused by that because they're automatically thinking a white wine should be cold where yeah. Someone that is I actually like prefer my white wines at the maximum temperature. Actually, I am you know, I'm one of those people who prefer my white wines at the maximum temperature. What do you have red wine sometimes in the refrigerator like 10 15 minutes before guest comes? Yeah. Oh, like, oh, oh, put it above the refrigerator. Me. 
There was a lot of <laughs> oh, above the refrigerator, above the microwave, oh, fire. Oh, no. No. Put it down. No. Well, it's, okay, so when it comes to juice, and this whether it be fragrance or wine, when it comes to juice, keep it in a dark, cool place, and and you have nothing to fear. The second you add light or heat to it, you are now endangering that juice. You don't have, you know, until you start spending a lot of money on wine. What's a lot of money? Over forty. Okay. For me, it's over 40. You don't have to put it on its side. If you oh, buy really? It, if you put it on the store and you buy it, and you're going to drink it within the next week or two... Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are certain wines that are yeah, put on the side. You've got sediment. You got I put everything on. on the side. But, you know, if you don't have space somewhere, like if you don't, you know, you've got the wine rack that's above the microwave. And, oh, yeah. And don't put it cool, just, go ahead. It's okay to put it on its on its bottle side. You know, if you're really worried about it, fine. Put it on the side with some towels so it doesn't move around. Right. You know, I, I don't know how Micah feels about it, but, you over, know. It, over 80% of all wine purchases are consumed in 48 hours. Not me. What? Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Because no one can tell you what 
is happening in a bottle of wine. Until you open it up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you don't want to buy just one bottle and like, I would agree. I'm going to drink this in six years because it could be like cork or it could be like, uh, now it's vinegar. I've actually so. opened a bottle of wine that I was really looking forward to and it went yeah, to yeah. vinegar. It That's great. why I always want to get like, you know, five. Usually I always buy six. I was going to say, I always buy six. If it's something I'm completely romanced by, I will buy six bottles. There are two styles of wines. There are ones you drink now, uh-huh. ones your friends come over, and then ones for the celebration. That's right. Yeah. Right. That is three. Right. That's right. And, and then there's other but, wine drinkers that, that are in the room will tell you there's two kinds of good that's fast. And it's like, you know, Elvie said earlier, you want to keep it in a dark, cool place. Treat it and, like a mushroom. And if, if, it's, if it's a cement-like basement where it's got a little moisture, it's even better. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like... How often are you... So, so one of the questions I asked is how often are you supposed to rotate the wine in the rack so that the cork stays and everything stays? Well, you don't want the sediment to go to one side and stay there because when you go to open that up, you got this really, like, sludge on one side. Yeah. Um, why, when, you're, when you're turning them, you're yeah. not letting it set. Right. So um, that's typically what, what that does for me. I mean, there might be more to it, but that's what I know. I've heard both sides. I've heard turn it, and then her just let it go. So that way when you pour it, you see where the sediment's actually at. And, and you get to deal with that. Pour it. Okay. And the, other, the, the other thing that I, I think for restaurants is the best thing to be talking about that. So we'll take the wine bottle and you're pouring your glass and like, oh, you get the end, and then they Oh, the sediment is so oh, close. Oh. Like, really? Yeah. You know, if you see yeah. that, it's like, you know, you're going to have a little sediment. Little you need to talk to the manager about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of our listeners has a little tip. Okay. <laughs> If you don't have a wine cellar, buy the styrofoam coolers, put it in a dark place, put it in the coolest place in your house, and leave it alone. That's a good idea. And then sometimes if you collect enough wine, meaning even the styrofoam coolers maybe only can hold about eight or nine bottles, I date them. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I like that. Because most of us don't have wine cellars. We don't have that. And, and I don't rotate them. I date them. I actually think when sediment goes on one side of the bottle, it actually sometimes hardens there. So when you pour it out later, it doesn't come out. I'm not out. dealing with it. That's and a good so point. I really, really like that because I actually feel personally, this is just my experience, that temperature fluctuations really affect the wine. I think light affects it as much. Yes. So if it's dark and it's cold, the coolest place in your house, at least styrofoam coolers, you can date them the years you want to open them. You're great. I love that. So for a, goal, like for a goal, maybe like you store 10 bottles a year and place it, you know, later in the year. It's really fun. I That's like that. It's like a time capsule. Yeah, it's a time capsule of wine. I so like fun. that. Can I, can I also just really quickly insert that not all wine is meant to be aged, whether it's red or yes. white. Not yep. all How do people know that? get better with age. So the, the, they need to ask that when they buy it. They need to ask. They need to somehow ask someone that would know. Or a wine shop. You know, anyone get in contact with the winery. A lot of wineries, you can go to their websites nowadays. And, and they'll say drink it in three to five years. Yeah. yeah. Where, I mean, I've heard so many people tell me how they've, bought this really beautiful bottle and they've sat it down for years and then they go to taste and it's horrible. And like, I have a couple yeah, of, I have I think we have like five bottles now for years. They're optimistic so we're gonna be celebrating.
for somebody who's not going to appreciate it. When I know she's going to mix it with someone else. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. Well, it, it also starts with the winemaker, because yeah. a winemaker, when he's, when he's making a wine, he's thinking of the consumer right at the beginning, yeah. and he knows that this wine is going to be drunk before 48 hours or even three days. Um, so he needs to make a wine that's good now, yeah. not three years, There's a large five percentage years down the road. So, and not only that, but a lot of these up-and-coming wineries, they don't own the vineyard. They don't own the. You got mortgages. They don't you have got, access to the juice you, to sit on rent. Yeah. So you can't sit on wine and like okay. So well, that's actually a really good question. Is it the wine that I want to drink right away, or is it something I can sit on? Exactly. I think a lot of the wines coming out of Washington, with few exceptions, are drinkable now. Yeah. Or you can store them. So if you buy your three bottle rule, you can hang on to it for you know six months a year. Just make sure you get it. Right. It's okay to drink the wine. I agree. There are some big names that the wines are generally ageable for for the most part. I don't want to pick up a Leonetti or Woodward Kenyer Pacita Creek and drink it right now when I know for a fact that it's really good. Maybe I just want to hold on to that one. Yeah. Or, you know, even my 05 Cabernet Sauvignon, which unfortunately some of you guys get think it's taste, but it was a reason to come back to see me. Hello. <laughs> um, it's going to be even better seven years from now, and I know that. Yeah. But there's very those are few and far between wines where a lot of them, like you were saying, they're drinkable now. You need to be drinking those because they're not ageable. And well, and I think that's indicative of Washington wines mm-hmm. overall. So what's the biggest thing you look for when you're thinking about aging a wine? And for me, I would look for price, the vineyard themselves, what kind of wines do they have, and then go from there. What do you research? What do you need in the wine for it to, to, to wrap? Longevity. Oh, you, the, 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 the complexity. I look at yeah, complexity in like that. Name, Merlot, Syrah, the you complexity. need acid. Mm-hmm. You need a lot yeah, of acid. Acid. Yeah. acid. Very good. Acid. For me, acid. 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 Well, as it ages, actually, it starts to round off. On the right. Table. Acid, tannins, yeah. and huge fruit. <laughs> personal, personal yeah. and I have pretty good luck. And that also applies to white wine too. There's certain white wines, Chardonnays okay. are good if they rack over the Seven Blanc. Reasons. What is it? That's the longest, the longest. Wine for three years, four years. There's some white wines you can rack for a hundred years. So if if you really want to find out whether or not it's a wine that you can rack, go to the, go to the website and do your research. Because some of them, there are cases where you've been able to rack red and white wines for over a hundred years, and well, isn't there rare. like yes, a story out about some? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's say. Well, there, another is, check. But isn't wasn't there recently a um, a sauternes that was purchased by some sommelier that it was like a hundred no. Yeah. 115,000? Was that what it was? It was pretty high. It was really high. And it was accurate. Yeah, and yeah. it's the sugar content. Oh. Now they're, they're storing uh, wine underwater in right. uh, Italy. They're storing some of the uh, Italian wines underwater. You know, oh, we'll get into a little research on that. <laughs> I like it. I've never heard that, but is that uh, salt water, I imagine? Salt water, yeah. Salt water. Yeah, constant temperature. They just recently it came up on the wine news that I saw on like, you know, just in Italy, wine space is a premium. So like, we're, we're going to put our wine. So they go, well, 
put it right outside in the water. Okay, so Jason, we're going to have you back on the show and you need to do research on that one. I've got it. I'll I'll see if I I can get some. That's (laughs) awesome. Okay, so we're going to round up the show because we've gone way into the after show, which I absolutely love. You know, if you're a socially savvy listener, the best thing is to show up to the show because you get fabulous white tastings and it's actually a lot of fun. The later the night goes on. Um, wanted to touch base real quick here with the social news. Oktoberfest has started, so check out your local listings for events in your area. The best beer drinking of the year is now in our local area. In particular, we have our favorite spots of the Fremont Ballard and Leavenworth as well. Yes, we know. As upcoming events this week, we have Working Women's Wednesday is at the Fab New Space, the Sweet Lounge in Bellevue for the entire month of October. Swing in from 5 to 7 p.m. for great socializing, giveaways. Um, check out the fab new spot and hang with Brooke and Jubal from 92.5. Uh, the Atomic Bomb Shelf, and we have a particular love for them because Lily Berlain, one of our guest hosts on the show, she is a regular now. She is a burlesque dancer in this show. They are at the Triple Door for three days, Thursday, October 6th through the 8th. Um, they have 7.30 shows. They have... Uh, 7, 5.30, and 10 o'clock shows on the weekend. And for 25 bucks, you can get in and watch this amazing burlesque show. If you have ever experienced a burlesque show, they are so much fun, very tantalizing and fun. Um, Ultra Pink Lounge in Seattle is celebrating their one-year anniversary Saturday, October 8th at 9 p.m. They're going to have a special pink carpet event with a free buffet open from 9 to 10 p.m. $1 pink martinis from 9 to 10 and be fashionably sexy and fun at Seattle's premier place to CNBC. More details are coming up. For um, VIP table reservations, email um, Jimmy, J-I-M-M-A-Y, at stardustproductions.com for more information. They'll be popping that up on the website this week. Um, Michael, you know all about our wine um, connection. Our wine connection? No, I don't actually. Where are we at? Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, so if you go to Woodenville, uh, winecountry.com uh, backslash events, um, there's there's a slew of all kinds of really cool stuff that, that all the wineries do in, the, in this area. And, um, so I behoove you to jump on there and uh, check out what's going on. Get down to the local events because those are a lot of fun and a lot of value. And a lot of times you can bring those family too, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I've actually brought my underage when we've come in and checked out a couple of different wine tastings, and a lot of them have things for the kids to do. Not encouraging you to show your kids how to drink and drive, but if you have a designated driver, it's Sometimes good education. Kids, if they're over 16, they, they can make be a really great, great yes. And the other thing is, is, is if you're like I brought my my boys, we're culturally we're raised with Greek and raised around wines and stuff. There is a way of teaching your children how to behave around wine. If you make a good ex- an impression, then it becomes not something to be drunk about. It becomes a cultural experience. So it's awesome. Okay, we are so looking forward to Saturday, February fifteenth at twenty dollars a person. That's all it takes to get in here and vote for your favorite fireman chili. Um, just the chili. You don't get to bite on the fun Sorry, guys. It's going to be here. The chili. The chili. The chili. What it is, is it's $20, and the net proceeds go to benefit the Burns Foundation, and it's through the Firemen's Foundation. Excellent. It's it's really a great cause. We're and checking out the firemen in the calendar. Oh, hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I can just tell you that quite a few of them will be here. That's okay. Um, and really, so we're going to have a lot of things. And this is one of those things that is going to be great to bring the kids 
Okay. And it's happening here. It's going to be happening here. At the feed cellars. At Padded Cellars. Why don't we say Petite? Because originally it was Petite Cellars. Well, that's what you've told me that before. Padded Cellars. It was, yeah. So I get confused. Yeah. But no, it is Paddock Creek Cellars. It is here in Woodenville. It we're going to have um, we're going to have live music. Some really great, some really great musicians. Some we're going to have wine barrel racing. The pumpkin carving for the kids. Pumpkin carving. We're going to pumpkin have, bowling. Something of the grapes. I mean, yeah. really. <laughs> you can you can challenge. There's a little bit of everything for everyone. A little bit of everything. Um, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And no, I. Looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.